Welcome to Fact and Science Fiction. I'm your host, Carly. In this special episode, well, it's not really special, it's a regular episode, but it's special in that it is about a video game, which longtime listeners will know that uh, I'm not a gamer. I've never really played a lot of video games, but I got a really cool one for Christmas last year. It's Kerbal Space Program, which you probably would have guessed that from the episode title. It is a physics simulator in which you build and launch rockets, and I'm going to play it today um, just so everybody out there can kind of get a taste of what it's like, and then I'm going to kind of cut in to give you some background information about why it's so cool and why it's the most realistic physics simulator out there. So here's my first cut in. Kerbal Space Program was released in 2011 as a PC game and then was released on Steam for download in 2013. If you ask Kerbal diehards, it really became awesome in 2015 when modifications were available. And an expansion pack called Making History was released in 2018. Players direct a space program crewed by green aliens called Kerbals. Since its release, KSP has gotten the attention of people in the real space industry and by educational institutes. There's a website called Kerbal EDU. It's a standalone remix of KSP, and it comes with teacher resources and features for the classroom. Students build rockets and carry out missions just like the original game, and they learn real-world physics and engineering skills. Now, I'm a very beginner in Kerbal Space Program, so you'll hear me look stuff up online, write stuff down in my notebook, and I ask Google. Hey, Google, what does SAS stand for in Kerbal Space Program? Hey, Google, how do you pronounce apoapsis? I don't think that's right. So I'm still going through training, like lesson by lesson, get more complicated. There's getting started and basic rocket construction, basic flight, intermediate construction, and then you go to suborbital flight, and then advanced construction, and then go for orbit, which is where I am. It's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. I haven't played for several weeks. So I'm at the launch pad. They gave me a pre-built rocket. If you hear some background noise, I'm in my living room, which is where all my pets live. So I have two sleeping dogs and a wandering cat, and you'll probably hear them. Once I hit launch, my rocket's going to go straight up. But the trick is is that you have to make a curved launch. You kind of have to turn to the right. So pretty soon after I launch, I have to start turning east or to the right in my view. If I keep pointing straight up, then gravity will be at its full force pulling me back down. But by turning, it will help me accelerate more efficiently against gravity and air resistance. The height of my rocket also determines when I should start turning to the right. So Mission Control Gene tells me that around 60 meters per second, I'll start pitching down. For taller rockets, I may wait until I reach close to 100 meters per second. Even though we have to go up, we need to curve east in order to begin our orbit around the planet. We can't just go straight up, break through the atmosphere, and then make a hard right turn. We'd run out of fuel way before that happens. So there's a nav ball 
in the bottom of the screen and I have to use my controls to point my rocket to the right spot. So I'm going to push up my throttle. What's cool about Kerbal Space Program is that the people, the Kerbals, are named after real astronauts. So like my mission control dude who's telling me what to do, his name is Gene Kerman, like Gene Cernan the astronaut who went to the moon during the Apollo 17 mission, and then the Kerbal who is in my rocket, who I'm going to launch soon, is named Valentina Kerman, who, of course, was the first woman to go into space. Really cool um, references there. All right, I'm going to practice my yaw and pitch and roll. can't remember what how roll has worked. For Battlestar Galactica fans, you'll... Oh, also, One Day at a Time fans, apparently, that had a really cool Battlestar Galactica reference. So all you need to know to pilot a ship is yaw and pitch and roll and um, acceleration, a thrust. So I have Kerbal Space Program on the PlayStation 4. It is a PC game, and most people I see on the internet who play play it on the PC. I can see the draw of that. You have much finer control with a mouse and a cursor than you do with these little knobs on the um, PlayStation 4 controller. So I'm going to toggle on SAS, which is a stability augmentation system, or a sickness avoidance system. So it basically just stabilizes Valentina in the pod. It really helps with the finer controls of the rocket. So when I'm going up into space, it just helps not being rocked around so much. On my way. Ooh, ooh, already, already off course. All right. Okay. Got it. Got it. Messed up. I was not doing my pitch right. So I'm going to revert to launch and start it again. Throttle up. Toggle SAS. I'm going up. Once I reach 60 meters per second, I'm going to start pitching down and I'm following this nav ball marker and turning to the right. I'm like at a 45 degree angle. Okay, I'm getting ready to stage. So rocket launches are divided into stages because throughout our launch, we're going to eject parts of our rocket that we don't need. So mission control gene is going to tell me when I can eject my fuel tanks and couplers when I don't need them anymore, making me lighter and helping my acceleration be more efficient, getting me into orbit. All right, so now I've knocked off like half of my rocket. Aboapsis is the highest altitude of my orbit. So you may have seen in sci-fi or know from your own space knowledge that orbits are not perfect circles but are elliptical. For spaceflight, our elliptical orbit will not always be equidistant from the planet. There is a highest point of our orbit called the Aboapsis, which is the maximum distance between us and the planet's surface, and then there's the opposite, periapsis, which is the minimum distance between us and the planet's surface. 
and we have to get our apoapsis above 70 kilometers. Because if it isn't above 70 kilometers, we're not in orbit, we're in the atmosphere. And if we don't get past the atmosphere, it's going to bring us down back to the planet's surface. Now, if you catch me mispronouncing this word, apoapsis, in the episode, I apologize. That was one of the questions I had for Google. So I'm going to switch to map mode, and I can look at the trajectory of the rocket. I can look at my orbit. That was the biggest lesson um, I learned playing Kerbal Space Program is that your orbit, you're changing it all the time by accelerating as I go farther away from the planet or decreasing speed as I go farther away from the planet. And then sometimes you turn around and thrust in the opposite direction that you're going so that you can decrease the orbit. And that's what I'm going to do when I want to land is I basically decrease my orbit until my orbit hits the atmosphere, and then the atmosphere is going to slow me down until I land. So, um, but anyway, we'll get to that later. So I'm going to resume flight and look at the map. So my altitude right now is 30,210 meters, and I find this real nerve-wracking. Okay, so I'm at nearly 90-degree angle. And that's going to get us there, coasting along. I've made sure the engine is shut off now, and we'll coast to clear the atmosphere at 70 kilometers altitude. You may notice my speed dropping a little as we coast. That's nothing to be concerned about. It's just gravity trying to bring us down and air trying to prevent our success. We'll beat it, though. You're looking good. Meanwhile, I'll keep an altitude display open so you can track my progress. So my altitude is now 47,003 meters and my apopsis is 80,854 meters. I'm at 56, 57. Again, I'm trying to get to 70 kilometers. 58. What's wild is that once you're in space, so my engine is completely shut off. I am just coasting, and I have very little liquid fuel. I have just enough to land once I uh, get to orbit. I'm going to go around orbit uh, just once, and then I'm going to try to land. And I need just a little bit of fuel left. Right now my rocket is one fuel tank left, have an engine, and then I have my parachute, and that's it. And I'm going to get rid of those bottom two things. Oh, I'm at 69. And I'm 70! I'm in orbit! I'm clear of the atmosphere. Gene says, warping ahead. Now that we are clear of the atmosphere, we can warp ahead through time to get to the apopsis more quickly. Important rocket scientists like us do not have time to waste. Press next when you're ready and we'll warp Till it's time to make our next burn. So, you know, this is what separates it from, from real life is that I can just go fast through time to make it through my orbit. But I'm going to wait on that because I just like floating through space. Wow. Valentina's looking good. With her big green face. That's what Kermans look like. 
So we're almost there. Now we all need to all we need to do is accelerate some more so that we fall past Kerbin. It's basically what an orbit is orbit is falling and missing. Gravity will be pulling us toward the center of Kerbin, but we'll be traveling so fast we constantly miss it. So rotate my craft to align it with the prograde marker. Um, we'll learn more about that later or use SAS's maneuver mode. When it's time to throttle up, I'll tell you. I'm going to resume flight. I'm going to toggle on maneuver mode for SAS just because with the police station controls, it's kind of hard to uh, maneuver the nav ball. Um, accurately. So prograde means that I'm going to start burning in the direction that I'm facing. So uh, accelerating forward. Um, when you want to decrease your orbit so that, you know, I want to land, then I'm going to burn in retrograde, which means I'm going to turn completely around and, um, accelerate in the accelerate backward and that basically slows me down enough so that gravity can do its job all right congratulations i'm in orbit that is quite the achievement gene says also notice how we designed our rocket to accelerate reasonably through the ascent and didn't go straight up to ludicrous speed overpowering the ship is a common rookie mistake But my engines are completely cut, so I'm just floating. Oh my gosh, Valentina has... It's just like mouth wide open, just looking out the window. I'm past my apoapsis now, so my altitude is decreasing a little as I go. Because I'm going in elliptical orbit, you know, like an egg. I'm still at a 90 degree angle, almost completely parallel to the planet. Eee. I didn't know this. If I press R3, I can get different rotated views. What is up? What is down? I'm in space. Now, Typically, when I've done this scenario before, I've been in, like, time warp mode. Fortunately, I don't remember how to start that again, so I am just going to be in space for a while until I figure out how to fast-forward to uh, landing. And I'm going to... This is when things start to take a turn for the worse for my mission. I'm going to toggle to warp speed and go 10 times my time. Oh, no. It says I cannot warp time in my scenario. Randomly. Still flying a rocket. I may have missed my opportunity to uh, fast forward in time. I may be doing my whole orbit in real time, which I'm pretty sure is ours. Uh-oh. Well, at least Valentina's having a good time. I want to view so I can do an internal view of internal view of the rocket so I can see what Valentina sees and she can look out this skylight 
and see space. All right, how do I go? How do I get back? Rut row. So I'm just gonna move my controls a little bit so to line myself up again. Who knows when Jane's gonna come back and tell me it's time to land? Oh, wait a second. Yeah, I'm almost there. On the map view, I can see the uh, periopsis marker, and it, it, I'm about halfway there. So, not that far. Yeah, my periopsis is um, 78,185 meters um, altitude, and I'm at... Um, and I'm at 78,818 and uh, dropping. So just a, about 600 something meters and I will be at the lowest part of my orbit. And um, I think Gene will pop up and tell me it's time to uh, descend. So I'm at 78,350 and again, my periapsis is 78,184. So T minus 3 minutes and 36 seconds until I can start uh, my descent. Hopefully Gene pops up and reminds me how to do this. I wanted to give a shout out to Quill18 on YouTube. His tutorials on YouTube, he explains the concepts so well. I'm just blown away by them. I make tutorials for a living and still his are the best. Like the people in the comments are like, uh, I learned more in this tutorial than I did in my like introductory physics class. I'll be honest, this is usually when I screw things up because I didn't understand retrograde and prograde. So this time I've taken notes. I'll just fast forward a bit. I do screw something up here. Jean never comes back, so I attempt to descend and land myself using my notes. It does not turn out well. You're not going to let me die up here, Jean. Jean doesn't let me die up there. So what I did just now is I burned in retrograde because uh, I passed my periapsis, and uh, usually that's when Gene tells me what to do and how to descent. Um, and he did not. So what I did is I turned around. Um, so instead of a 90-degree angle in which I was parallel to the Earth I uh, and facing the direction of my orbit, I turned all the way around. So I'm still parallel to the Earth, but facing the, or parallel to Kerbin, and but facing the other direction. And then I throttled up. I burned some fuel. Um, that slows me down enough that gravity starts to pull me back to Earth. And I, uh, I basically changed my periapsis to uh, where I was at. And... Gonna click the retrograde button. And you know what? I'm just gonna burn. I'm gonna use all my fuel, try to get back to Kerbin. So I've burned all my fuel. I hit the atmosphere facing the wrong direction. Uh oh, she does not look happy. 
and I cannot move. The air is keeping me from moving. Ugh. I'm so sorry, Valentina. I'm not ready. Not ready. So what happened was I hit the atmosphere facing the wrong way so that all of the heat was going toward poor Valentina in the top of the cone and uh, burning up my parachute and not the uh, bottom and the heat shield. I also couldn't figure out how to uh, get rid of the last of my... Um, get rid of the fuel cell and engine, so that exploded. I was supposed to uh, eject that so that by the time I hit... Um, the atmosphere, it was just my little pod and um, with Valentina in it and the parachute. And I forgot to do that. And I also couldn't figure out how to do that. So I crashed. Oh, I feel so bad. So what I can do is I can revert to launch and try it again and follow the directions and hit warp speed when Gene told me. Because I think what happened was that by not... Uh, following those directions and going to warp speed, I was kind of on my own. Um, the tutorial went away. So I might do that. The last time I played, I literally played for four hours, which is very unusual for me. Um, but I was trying to figure out how to get to orbit. So I got to orbit. I was in orbit for, uh, I think about 29 minutes. So that is a vast improvement than from the last time I played. So there's a lot of cool stuff in Kerbal Space Program. As I get more comfortable, I can go into career mode in which I have to um, worry about like how much money I have and how uh, much parts cost to build my rockets. Um, you can also add science projects to your rockets. And then once you hit orbit, you just hit a few buttons and collect some data. And then that data turns into more money that I can use to unlock new parts or buy a new launch pad for the um, space program. Then there's also like sandbox mode in which you can do anything and everything. And my goal is to get to the moon. So I'm super excited. Well, thanks for joining me on my failed descent from space. I hope you learned a little bit about the Kerbal Space Program. It is a super fun game. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get the podcast. Support the pod on patreon.com slash fact and sci-fi. And you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fact and sci-fi, or you can swipe to the show notes and click on the links there. This podcast was brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com has over 180,000 audiobook titles, and you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to audibletrial.com slash fact and sci-fi. That's audibletrial.com slash fact and sci-fi. 
In preparation for my live panels coming up, I downloaded The Science of Superheroes on Audible by Lois Gresh and Robert Weinberg, and I recommend that. And you can get a free audiobook of your choice by going to audibletrial.com slash fact and sci-fi. All right, one last thing. Thanks for listening. Oh,